Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. In season two of Hacks and Hobbies, we're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life who want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. In this episode, I get to speak with Gaetano Dinardi. He's a singer, songwriter, producer, and a digital marketing leader, all rolled into one. He brings a very unique blend of raw talent, passion to music merged with business experience to a crossroad. Now, of course, I'm reading this amazing intro about Gaetano, or as his friends call him, G, from his website, which is very nicely laid out. I'm happy and very honored to have him on the podcast. Thank you so much, Gitano, for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've I've uh, I've been listening to Hacks and, and Harvey's for a while, and I think it's one of the coolest podcasts out there. And I'm I'm definitely uh, humbled to to be on it. So thanks for having me. Thank you so much. That means a lot, my friend. Um, it's been it's been a pretty amazing journey and a hobby um, that I'm, you know, that I've been doing for the past year. And, and I've had the passion of telling stories and I just didn't know which medium to tell them. I, I did blogging a lot in the back, you know, back in the days. And, and then when I heard, started hearing about podcasting, I was like, oh, I want to jump into podcasting and tell stories. But I didn't know what the proper format would be. So back in 2012, I jumped in two cousins of mine and like, all right, let's do a podcast. We're going to talk about technology. We're going to, cause that's, that's something that we were, we would all talk about it on our group message that they've been, <laughs> that we've been going on for the past two decades, the same group message, right. With same people. And just last year I was like, you know what? I can't wait for anybody else to join me on this journey. I've got to take it. I got to take it and I got to go, and make it happen for myself. So I started podcasting and started talking about the many different hobbies that I had. And, and as you probably heard on the podcast last season, it was all about beekeeping, cycling, video production, and I've talked about these things and, and what I managed to do. And then this year for season two, I've been talking to guests that took their passion to the next level, took their hobbies to the next level and, made that their main focus. So here to learn about your story, man. Well, well, did I appreciate it? And, uh, you know, what you've done is, is really special. I mean, to commit to something and you, you know, you have almost, uh, almost 300 episodes done yeah. now. Thank you, you man. Know, Thank it, you. It, that's the one thing it's like people, they, they, you know, they, they don't really sometimes see like the big vision and the big picture mm-hmm. and like to commit to something for that long yeah. is not, not easy to do, man. So I, you yeah. know, I tip my hat to you for that. Thank you so much. So Gitano, you started, so how did you get started? So tell us a little version of your journey that, that can get us up to speed on, you know, where you come from, what's what what you're working on today, how you got here today, and then what's your next step going forward? All right, man. So I'll try to I'll try to keep this uh nice and concise, but there's a long history to how this yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh so uh my my parents are Italian, you know, from, mm-hmm. from Naples, Naples, Italy. Nice. Uh Salerno, actually. Mm-hmm. And um they, uh, you know, they, they really were supportive in, in, in my upbringing, you know, with music or whatever I wanted to do. Um, my grandparents had an Italian restaurant. So when I was young, like a lot of my time was spent with my grandparents mm-hmm. and, uh, that's where I got my work ethic from, you know, my grandma, she was, uh, she was tough. You know, she used to wake up every day at six in the morning and work till, till, you know, after midnight. And then uh, she used to, you know, cook for me and my brothers. Mm-hmm. She would wash our clothes, like, while my parents were, like, working and stuff. Like, so really my grandma was the one that raised me. But uh, she uh, was super resilient. 
She battled uh, cancer for almost 20 years. She lived with cancer for 20 years and worked, uh, you know, and ran the restaurant uh, as a chef, you know, and the cancer didn't face her at all. And um, that's where I got a lot of my work ethic and resilience from, you know, seeing my grandma kind of kind of push through all these these life challenges was was something that was inspirational to me from the beginning so um you know when i was uh in college i was like hmm what do i what do i want to do why am i even here <laughs> yeah uh and you know part of it was you know italian families they see you know um going through college as a process and getting that degree is like something is a huge deal Mm -hmm. So part of it, I guess, was like, you know, appeasing them and doing what they, you know, thought was like the best thing. But uh, for me, it it didn't really do too much. Like, you know, I'm a demand generation leader and there's Mm -hmm. no degree you can get in demand generation. Like you can't go to to school to learn SEO. Like you can't learn paid marketing. You can't learn um, conversion rate optimization, right? Like all these things we do on a daily basis, you cannot learn these things in school. So a lot of the things I learned in school were largely theory based. And um, I decided that, you know, music was always like a passion of mine since I was young. So back to my grandma, she was listening to like Italian music and always like, you know, having Italian music on like while she was cooking, while she was cleaning, while, you know, she was doing stuff with me, whatever. So I picked that up and I started singing songs in Italian when I was a kid. Mm. And I just had a natural gift for music. I was playing guitar, piano. Um, in high school, this was like the thing that I love to do. Like, this is one thing that I was kind of known for, but I didn't know like what to do with it. And then, um, I started, uh, actually just like making beats and writing songs and stuff. Hmm. And, uh, I, I started doing live shows in New York city and I made a lot of connections. And then one thing led to the next. And, you know, now I'm in the studio with like a lot of big producers and rappers and stuff. Cause I had a really special skill. For yeah. uh, producing beats that were driven by guitar, mm-hmm. which which was unique. A lot of a lot of the New York City you know hip hop producers were kind of like these beat machine guys. You know they didn't mm-hmm. really know how to play instruments. So I brought a different flavor to the table, and it helped me kind of get through a lot of stuff um, and make a lot of connections. So I started a music blog, and I started reviewing music companies. And um, this is how I got into SEO. Yeah. I, I realized that people were finding my content uh, through search engines because yeah. I wasn't promoting it and I was getting all these random comments from people yeah. that I ever met. I'm like, damn, how the hell are people finding my content? And then I realized, oh shit, like I stumbled into SEO. Yeah, because you're creating content very specific, right, to the music area and people are searching like, oh, this place is where you can go and learn more about what you were talking about. Exactly. Exactly. So that was one way people were finding my content. And I, and I, I love the idea of not having to promote and people finding it, yes. you know, cause, cause I, cause let's be real promoting content's not fun. It's, it's mm-hmm. a job. Um, you, I'm sure you know that by now as oh, yeah. a podcast, it's, you know, it's work. Exactly. So yeah. So I fell ass backwards into SEO and I loved it. And at the time also I was uh, finishing school and I, my first job ever was actually in sales. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I, during that time, I'm like, damn, I hate sales. And yeah. looking back on it now, I'm like, you know what? I, I don't hate sales. I just hated what I was selling. Mm. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's big. That's the most of the, most of the time. That's what it is. Unless you're entwined with yeah. the product that you're using, you're going to be easy. You're going to be selling easy. Like we like cars or we like music. We can sell that music because we are so passionate about it. We are automatically the, what's that word? The evangelist for that stuff, right? 100%, man. Yeah. That, that, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. You know, the, the passion just wasn't there for selling, mm-hmm. you know, consulting services. And, yes. Uh, that's what I was selling. So, um, yeah, I ditched that. And I, I, I met this guy, Michael King, who's one of the best uh, if not the best SEO mm-hmm. experts in the world. And um, I worked with him at his startup company, which was a SEO agency called iPolRank. And um, I was the second person hired at his company. And by the time I left, there was like 12 or 13 full-time employees. Nice. That's, when I, that's when I learned like most of the 
most of the technical stuff. So mm-hmm. like content auditing, keyword research, SEO auditing, uh, conversion testing for websites, how to yeah. do keyword research, all this fun stuff. And I was working with huge clients, man, like out of nowhere, like he had a big reputation. So I was working with major league baseball, Trojan condoms, uh, big real estate companies, like you name it. I I've done pretty much every vertical and SAS was also a big vertical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I realized I love SAS because it was less about, you know, maintaining these huge complicated websites cause SAS websites are usually smaller. Yeah. And it's more about how do I think about lead gen? How do mm-hmm. I think about, um, the audience and, and really, uh, you know, hitting all these areas of the funnel with content and nurturing and, and all this stuff. So, uh, from there I went to a SEO, um, I ran SEO at a, a software company called pipe drive, which was a sales CRM company. Mm-hmm. I was there for, for about a year, a little over a year. Um, then I went to run SEO at a, um, online courses company called GoSkills.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, based out of New Zealand. I, I worked obviously from the US and then I went to run marketing at a media company called Sales Hacker. Uh, I was there for about uh, two years. The company was uh, transforming from an events company to a digital company. So I kind of like took all the stuff that they were doing on the ground, transformed it to digital, uh, took that company to get acquired by Outreach which is a, uh, a software company based out of Seattle. They're now a unicorn company, so to speak, nice. quote unquote, they're, they're valued at, you know, north of a billion dollars. So, yeah. um, I didn't want to go and work there full time. I, mm-hmm. I was just a consultant during a transitional period. And, uh, today I'm, I'm running demand generation at Nextiva, mm-hmm. uh, a business communications company that, um, allows you to run your entire business from the cloud. Um, whether it's, uh, communicating with your internal teams, customers. Uh, we have um, voice over IP software, uh, CRM software, uh, all bundled together with with some other really cool tools. And mm-hmm. uh, that's what I'm doing today. That's really cool, man. So as a director of demand generation, so how would you explain what demand generation is? Is it something that's around attention grabbing, like what's grabbing the attention of the person interested in the products. Does that make sense? Or you tell me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird term. You know, Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people haven't heard of it and like the people that have heard of it, I think they, um, they kind of lump it together in this bucket called lead generation. Mm, Got it. They kind of, they kind of confuse demand generation for lead generation, but, um, Mm -hmm. They overlap quite a lot. I think the difference is that if you're driving leads, you know, th- there's people out there in the game that are pure lead gen. Like mm-hmm. that's all they do. Like they will do outbound emails, outbound calls, try to get, you know, leads uh, for for vendors, right? So you would call these like kind of lead hunters or mm-hmm. there's tons of companies out there that just do this stuff. Yeah. But, but the problem with it is that it's just they get the lead and that's that's it. Mm-hmm. Like here you go. And <laughs> there's no, there's sometimes there's not even much brand behind it. Like it's yeah. just, yeah, we got this lead. Like we, we yeah. did like some ads and we got leads. So that, that's lead generation. Uh, when you think about demand generation, it's, it's, you know, you're kind of influencing all these things that happen before, um, a, you know, before a prospect becomes an actual lead. Mm-hmm. And then once a prospect uh, does become a lead, it's not like you pass it to sales and you forget about it you actually think about, all right, now that we have this lead, of course, they're not, you know, not every lead is ready to buy. That's the other thing, you know? Um, yeah. So you're, you, what you're doing is, is creating um, programs that uh, keep leads interested while they are kind of deciding, is this company's solution right for me? Mm-hmm. And you're keeping that, you're working to keep them top of mind. And you're, you're fighting for mindshare because at the end of the day, these, whether they're, you know, whether actively looking for your solution or any solution or not, mm-hmm. uh, what's probably happening is they're probably evaluating your solution versus others. So yeah. it's kind of a fight for mindshare. And it's That's, the same thing, you know, before they come a lead too, you're fighting for mindshare. So it's all the things that happen before they come a lead. And then um, it's basically everything that happens from stranger to I am about ready to buy. Hmm. Now that's really interesting because the more I think about something, the more I look at something, right? I, I 
start doing my research. I'm like, okay, I'm interested in interested in this specific thing. For example, one thing that I'm super fascinated about right now is is transcription for my podcast, right? Episodes. It's audio. I want it transcribed it. And I want it transcribed as, as best as possible. And how can I use the technologies that are available right now to make my life easier automating this stuff? And I know one application that I've been using, it's called otter.ai and it'll you you get about six hundred minutes per month. You can upload your audio files, it'll transcribe the text. Of course, there's a lot of as human conversation and, and the people, the way they talk, sometimes the words are mumbled, you know, the AI can't really pick it up. Then I was doing a search the other day about, okay, well, what's the difference between a trailer for an episode versus a, a bonus episode versus a full episode? You know, why would somebody create this thing? Because I'm coming at, you know, almost 300 episodes or episodes because my numbering is like episode, the E294 is like season two, episode 94. And I'm like, okay, how do I avoid adding more, like adding more numbers, but adding more content, right? So, and I ran into this website, PIPA, and they provide web hosting and and they're mentioning how um they've they've partnered up with IBM's Watson to transcribe your podcast episodes and then you can take that content and grab snippets from there 5 to 20 seconds and share on social media i was like well that's really cool what are you charging me on a monthly basis because there's a price for everything, right? And I don't know if I'm going off topic or, or what I'm trying to get to is, is you've, when you're creating demand, you are looking into what's the thought process of somebody that's going to be purchasing a service or going to be signing up for a service what is the thought process that somebody goes through? And and I keep thinking, well, that's really interesting on how like I'm thinking and how I should be sharing this, like what I'm going through. And in, in some ways I kind of am with the podcast, but then in other ways I'm not because essentially this interview is all about Gitano and, and how he, you know, came from or where he came from and where he's going and what where his expertise lies so kind of throwing in a little bit of what i go through in kind of evaluating what others are doing or what other companies doing in building demand or, or building leads does that make sense yeah man i mean uh you you probably went through quite a a lot of steps, mm-hmm. uh, you know. As a, a lot of steps, yeah. A lot of steps, man. And um, you know, in in every every buyer has a decision roadmap of how they're going to to buy a product. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm curious, how long did it take you before, like, from when you started thinking? Um, that you might have a problem all the way to, all right, I definitely have, need a solution. And then when you actually chose the solution, like how long did that whole thing take? Well, it's been, it's been an ongoing thing for the past year, right? I would say okay. um, as I started podcasting and like initially when I was podcasting, it was just me talking and I'm just putting out information about beekeeping and whatnot. And I didn't think about transcribing that stuff at all. I was like, you know, it's it's there and you know it's it's good to listen but then as i started doing interviews i was like all right you know people might want to grab you know be want to be able to read this stuff as well and i want to be able to grab content from there and use it as my description or use it as a text for creating posts on social media but mm-hmm. 
how can I make that better? So, so looking at the different applications that I had access to or that I was introduced to, I was like, all right, well, I can use this for this for free without having to pay. But then there's this service that I can use that can automatically repurpose my content and put it on YouTube uh, for this much price that I can pay. Mm-hmm. And then as I'm going forward, I was like, well, I have very limited time on a daily basis and I want somebody to be able to grab this content and put it on, on the show notes. Mm-hmm. And so it's basically been a long process. And for the past two months, I was um, just focusing on uh, creating more content and not really publishing it. But as I go come back and come back and, you know, bring these episodes back out, um, I started thinking, you know, how can I, so I started, start, I mean, this is just last night. I was like, you know, what's the difference between trailer and people are like posting, like how is, how are people getting more, uh, you know, getting more audience to listen to their stuff, right? So I'm sure they have a right. consistent model, like, you know, they're publishing every week. Well, I'm not, I, I published every day and then I stopped <laughs> and I'm like, all right. all right, I've got 10, I got 10, 15 episodes. I should schedule them out. So they go out weekly. So people can expect, okay, hacks and hobbies, new episodes dropping, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, how, how can I use other marketing tech tactics or how can I inform other people or people that are on my list or people that, that are following me? How can I tell them, you know, so there has to be some kind of consistency built in and there's several tools out there that can enable that for you. So all of these things that I'm thinking through and I'm, and I sit down and I'm like, all right, this is, this is what I've researched right now. Let's put that on hold. Let's go to the next step. And I'm, and this is not the only thing that I'm working on, right? I'm, I'm also doing video production. I'm also doing uh, website development and I'm also, also going out and working with other people on other projects. So it's, it's like, it's, I get to do these things in episodes of different parts. Okay. I'm, I've done this part. And then every once in a while I'll get a, a, a block of hours, a block of five hours, a block of three hours that I can sit down and, and focus on this thing and, and figure that funnel out or figure that, you know, that flow and like, all right, this flow is working. Let's move on to the next one. It's automation is, you know, started. Let's focus on, now bringing in the content, now bringing in, you know, so it's kind of like a broken up strategy over time. So it's been pretty interesting journey for myself. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've come a long way yourself, man. I mean, in this yeah. process, you probably, you're, you're learning how to become a marketer mm-hmm. by, by doing. Yeah. Which is kind of the same thing that I did with like my first blog. Like yeah. I just taught myself. Yeah. So it's it's admirable that you were able to do that thanks man thanks man appreciate it yeah it's it's just things like this you know that just uh keep me keep me awake like i was up from what was that 11 30 to 4 a.m just trying to figure out okay <laughs> what can i do what's the next step and, and then there's so many things on my plate that that I really think, you know, I need to hire somebody <laughs> to do some of this stuff for me. And yeah. I've been lucky enough to, you know, bring some people and that to do that repetitive stuff and like, all right, you know, this is how I edit my podcast. This is how I want to, you know, grab these quotes from all of these episodes that are, that are already transcribed. And now I've got an Excel sheet that I can now create some social media content and then that then I can schedule out to go and you know, again, not spending money, just spending time to automate these processes or spending some money, but not spending money. I don't know how, you know, you spend time, you're essentially spending money because now, you know, you're spending that hour, those two hours and figuring this thing out versus hiring somebody who's already done it a million times. Right. You know, that's, that, that's, 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 that's the struggle, right? It's like, yep. uh, you know, do you, do you want to pay a lot for somebody who's done, like who knows this perfectly and will do it for you right away? Or do you want to like hire somebody inexperienced that will take longer? It's yeah. Or hire yourself. 
because that's where you do it yourself. Right, yeah. right. That's what people end up doing. They end up doing is they they're like, hey, um, and that's that's the that's the reverse notion, or that's the notion that people have like, that I have unlimited hours, right? right? But that's that's not true because we don't have unlimited hours. We we're always we we only have twenty four hours a day and only a limited time, like time does not come back. So it's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. It's, uh, it's the price you pay for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for trying to build something. Yes. So what's, what are the next step? And, and so you started with the music and you started with the blog on the music industry and being a musician yourself and a songwriter yourself, it made sense for you to talk about those specific things, right? But And then you said you fell backwards into SEO and content and or demand marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do, how do you, or how does a company uh, like yours or the company that you work for help others or help other companies? And, and what's, what are some of the outcomes or what are some of the things that go into um, demand marketing or, or and I think you probably might have give us a little bit of a, a taste of what that is like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, dude, I mean, there's, it's, it's so tough, man. There, the biggest challenge in demand marketing is actually uh, deciding what to do mm-hmm. first. Yeah. Like there's so, there's so many areas to tackle, you know, um, obviously the company needs leads, Mm-hmm. So we have to get really high quality leads coming in all the time. The yeah. other part of it too, is you have to um, think higher up the funnel as well. Like the problem today is that every company is fighting over those leads that are ready to buy now, like right now. And um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's just not the case that, you know, there is a large pool of people out there that are looking for a voice over IP solution that are, that are looking to buy now or soon. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are not ready to buy now because yeah. if you think about phone service, you know, people don't just wake up. Businesses don't just wake up someday and say, you know what? I, I, I need to change my phone service. I, yeah. They, they do it. They change their phone service because they don't like something that's happening with their current service or, um, the biggest thing that's happening with small businesses that are growing fast is they start by using their personal cell phone number. Mm-hmm. And then they realize, Oh man, like I, I'm starting to actually get customers now. Like this business is starting to take off a little bit. This is awesome, but I can't have customers and people at work just hitting me up on my personal cell phone number. So what am I going to do? Yeah. I, need a business. I finally am at the point where I need a business phone number. Shit. So mm-hmm the first thing they probably go search is like, how do I get a business phone number or how many phone lines do I need for my business? Mm -hmm. And that's where um, we win because I think about all the things and all the questions that come up before, like long before they need a phone service. It's when they start thinking about maybe do I need a phone service? And I create a lot of content and Mm -hmm. and search engines around that. So my goal is to try to catch these people before they fall. Mm-hmm. And, uh, part, you know, the most, a lot of successful demand marketers will think higher up the funnel, but it's not just about like creating big top of the funnel viral content. That's going to spread the brand. Like, you know, if I did something like the biggest phone scams, right. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a cool one. That's a cool idea to do. That makes people say, Oh, that's interesting. Oh, who's this company that's writing about this? Oh, let yeah. me check them out. Ah, oh, yeah. I don't really need anything from them though. Great. You know, that's, that's what, uh, is going to get like eyeballs to just brand familiarity, Mm. but it's not enough to get them to remember you, um, when they actually need a phone. So it's thinking about this whole journey that happens before a business owner comes to that point where they know they need a phone. And then also big companies, like why do, uh, big companies that, um, have like huge it teams, why would they come to, to digital phone service? Well, yeah. because they need to move to the cloud. Uh, mm-hmm. a lot of these, a lot of these companies, it's actually shocking. Um, how many companies are still using, uh, these big old school 
uh, they call it on-premise phone systems, mm-hmm. uh, which is is managed uh, through a private branch exchange or PBX, mm-hmm. uh, which is on-premise. And um, these systems are very hard to manage. They um, they're all hardwired, by the way. Yep. So so like you know a Las Vegas hotel would be a good example. Like mm-hmm. if, you, if you stay at the Win and you look in your hotel room, you're going to see an an Avaya phone. Mm-hmm. And that via phone system is hardwired. Like there's wires running from, you know, the, the hotel room to mm-hmm. the command center to, yeah. you know, it's all hardwired. Right. Mm-hmm. Now if that system were to break somehow, it yeah. would be super expensive to fix the whole thing. Yeah. Like there's, there's some command control center that's like hardwired that's running this Avaya system. And it's, you know, it's, it's probably huge. There's probably hundreds, if not thousands of phone lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, the reason why a company like the Wynn hotel in Las Vegas would say, you know what, I'm tired of this thing. Uh, let's move everything digital yeah. is because it's easier to manage. It's cheaper. You don't need a, a huge IT team. Um, and it runs from the cloud and you get analytics and you get, uh, a lot of other benefits, uh, from running your phone system in the cloud that you wouldn't get if it was just on premise. Like, yeah. When it's on premise, it's just like old school, you know, house phone, uh, in, in many ways. So you don't you don't get as robust as a tool as you would get mm-hmm. um, with digital. But long story short, you know, yeah. we're thinking about all the problems that an IT team would have before they they get to the point where they start saying, "All right, I need a phone." Because what mm-hmm. what every every company is battling for in, in Google it are the keywords that are you know I'm ready to buy right now, like you know, business phone service, small business phone service. Uh, I need a business phone system, office phone system. Like everyone's battling over those, but they're not necessarily thinking about the problems that happened before that. Yeah. So I'm thinking about it all. And that's what I'm doing every day. Nice. Nice. That's, that's really cool. And it's, it's interesting that you mentioned the PBX systems. Um, back in the days, I, I used to manage a, a network operating center where we had a digital telephone system set up. Uh, I think it was called asterisk and it would, you know, you would have to like hardwire these cards and then you would have a T1 line come in and you can support up to 12 phone lines that they were all, they were all digital and, and voice over IP. And I was like, Ooh, I want to set one up for myself and you know what it all takes to do it. And I was, I was just, um, really amazed at the technology because being a tech enthusiast myself, I, I dig into technology a lot more than the average person. Right. So when I wanted my home phone, I went to the same route. I was like, okay, how can I get a home phone for next to nothing? And I learned about this little device that would work with Google voice. And you can connect your regular phone to it. I was like, oh, this is really neat. And I think there was another device like you buy for $110 or something. They'll give you multiple lines or single line, but but doesn't have any of those benefits of, of the digital analytics, I think. But it's it's really, you start seeing, you know, you don't really need to pay that extra or pay too much to have more advanced services available as a business. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing. It's like, you know, you kind of get what you pay for nowadays, but what, you know, what's interesting that's happening in the phone service market is companies are realizing that, um, just the phone is not enough. Yeah. And, um, the phone service now is a commodity. It is, yeah. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And like, because there's so many providers out there, it's like, it's becoming like CRM. Yeah. So, um, super expensive too, like, you know, marketing wise mm-hmm. to, to, uh, run AdWords for some, like some of these keywords, dude, are 300 bucks a click. Wow. Yeah. It's that crazy. Um, because, uh, of, of competition, like it mm-hmm. wasn't like that years ago. Like when you yeah. see the, you can see the trends of how expensive the keywords have gotten over the years. Mm-hmm. And three years ago, <clears throat> you know, these keywords that are like 200 to $300 a click two, three years ago, they used to be like 40, 50 a click. Wow. 
so I, you know, it, it's gotten, it's gotten nuts. And, um, you know, the only way to not get into that ball game of like, you know, a race to the bottom essentially with spending on ads is mm-hmm. to, to, to get as much SEO, uh, going as possible. So you want to take away paid and, and get that traffic for free. Yeah. Um, but SEO is getting harder too unfortunately. Yeah. So, um, you know, now it's like, all right, you got to start thinking about other channels that are going to create leads for you that are high quality and do, and, and do it consistently. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's some things that I'm, I'm playing around with too. That's why now, um, what you're seeing is, um, this kind of, this kind of, um, this shift toward account-based marketing and account-based sales where it's, less about casting a wide net, more about saying, you know, these are like the top 100 companies that we like want to go after in mm-hmm. this quarter. And we have to, we have to create orchestrated campaigns that are going to specifically try to break through to somebody at these companies. And then you start getting into persona based marketing where it's like, you know, we're, we're going to create a campaign specifically for it administrators. Yeah. And then you try to break into those and then you, coordinate with sales and you try to break in that way because um to get the big the big size deals you know that's the best way to do it honestly like you're gonna get some big deals coming in from seo and adwords and also affiliate sites and aggregators because now in google like you know vendors that offer a product are really having a hard time ranking for keywords like best business phone service right Mm. like because google knows that like shoppers don't want to just see one thing. They want to see a list with reviews and um, they want to see star ratings. They want to hear from people who are actually using the products. Yeah. Um, what, what do you like? What do you not like? All these things. So Google is playing favoritism toward the aggregator and mm. review sites. So now because- as a vendor website, yeah, you have to fight for those top spots mm. <laughs> on those lists. <laughs> Because they are, yeah, so those aggregators are bringing content from all sorts of places, right? Yeah. And they've got they've got a lot more backlinks than somebody who's just a, you know, a single shop and they're building their own content. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you have to, so now, now it's, uh, you got to fight for those top spots. And a lot of it is really a a matter of like, you know, just getting more reviews and getting the best reviews. Yeah. So now it's like, we've got to work with our customer support teams to figure out ways to incentivize happy customers to go and leave reviews, which is not easy to do. So it's this, it's this whole engine, man. It's everything from SEO to PPC. And then you know, getting the reviews, of course. And then, you know, once we're getting these traffic, uh, these very high traffic pages, you know, happening on the site for high, high buying intent, it's monitoring these pages, looking at what's happening, running tests, looking at where they click, where they scroll, where are they having a hard time finding the information they need? Um, all these sorts of things that happen every day, make the engine run. And I'm telling you, man, when you're driving, a sh- you're steering a ship, that's the size. It moves kind of slow sometimes, but we, we try to, you know, keep it as agile and fast moving as we can. So that's, that's beautiful. That's what it comes down to, man. Very, very cool, man. I love it. Well, this was a really, really cool conversation about demand marketing, which is something brand new. I've never heard of it before. Um, and, uh, your journey, you know, about how you got into introduced, to SEO, to marketing, and to where, you know, where you are right now, which is really cool. Um, a few questions that I ask my guests. These are, you know, quick questions. Um, that, you know, towards the end, just, just to get an idea of who you are as a person. What is one hobby that you wish you got into and never got the chance to? Yeah, man. You know, there's a, there's a few. Um, one thing that I always felt would be so awesome that I just never, never did mm-hmm. was kicking field goals. Oh, that's... I was just thinking the other day, like the, the one of the most like 
fire jobs would be an NFL like kicker, mm-hmm. like just kick field goals. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that would be sick. That's that's all you do. That's all they do is just kick field goals. <laughs> like that would that would be something that like I I always like wondered. And then of course my the other hobby that like if I if I could have chosen my life to go any other way. Mm-hmm. I would have chosen for myself to be an Italian soccer player. Nice. And and be on the Napoli team or or Juventus. I, I love both of those teams. And I um I would choose to live in Italy and be a, a soccer player. Nice. <laughs> I think I think one of those is still possible. <laughs> <laughs> right? Maybe. Maybe. All right, cool. What is your favorite movie? Or TV show? Yeah, favorite movie of all time is Casino. Nice. With uh, Joe Pesci, Robert mm-hmm. De Niro, of course. Yeah. Um, favorite TV show of all time is Seinfeld. Oh, I love Seinfeld, man. Seinfeld, man. Such a, as a New Yorker, that's like, I feel like New Yorkers really can appreciate that show maybe more yeah. than other, other people. Yeah. But that's just such a classic. Uh, my, my grandfather, who, mm-hmm. uh, of course, like doesn't understand much English. He, yeah. he laughs like crazy at the show <laughs> and he doesn't even really understand it, but he just likes like George and Kramer, like the way they act and yeah. how they get in trouble. Like he, he finds it hilarious. Even though yeah. Cause you don't, you don't really need to understand that show because it's, it's a show about nothing. Like literally. It's a show about nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. I'm also a huge fan of uh Kirby enthusiasm, of course, created mm-hmm. by, by Larry. Larry I'm David, just, yeah. I'm a huge Larry David fan. Huge. Nice. Huge. Nice. There's two people in life that I'm dying to meet. Yeah. Larry David is one, and mm-hmm. the other is uh, Scott Storch, uh, a very well known um, hip hop producer who I haven't met or worked with yet. Nice. Nice, man. Um, put him on your bucket list, right? It's on my bucket list, man. Fantastic. All right. Next question What movie would you choose if you got to play a character in it? Um, Batman. Nice. Dark Knight. Yeah. Nice. I feel like that would just be so dope. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So who is your favorite superhero? Favorite superhero? Uh, Batman. Just probably Batman. <laughs> yeah. I, I, used, I, 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 uh, loved Michael Keaton as mm-hmm. Batman back in the day. Yeah. Um, I, I just thought he, he was the, I, I thought personally he was the best Batman yeah. Um, he, he just, he, he had a great, 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 just, um, in character and out of character yeah. persona of Batman. I thought with like the, the Alfred and everything like, and like how, um, uh, Danny DeVito was the penguin. Like that was, I feel like the, like the best yeah. time for Batman. That it was, was, that was you, sick. You're absolutely right. And, um, Batman was also one of my favorite um, huge superheroes when I first was introduced to superheroes. And, and so I didn't know, didn't know a whole lot about superheroes till I moved to the States in 95. And around that time we had movies like Batman forever and Batman, you know, the other Batmans. And then I was really fascinated because besides Batman and, and, um, and we had Blade. I think those are the only superhero movies that we knew besides, you know, Superman, which is much earlier. And then when Iron Man came out in 2008, it, it just changed my entire perspective of what a superhero is supposed to be. Anyways, that's just yeah. my thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, speaking of, of superheroes, um, tie this back to marketing real quick. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a concept called character diamond. Yeah. Where essentially, um, I saw this brilliant, brilliant, brilliant presentation mm-hmm. from Ryan Dice, uh, who is the CEO of digital marketer.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's, he says that the reason why the, the best brands are successful is because they figure out, how to create their brand like a superhero. Hmm. You know, every, like, for example, like every brand should have like this, this, this concept of character diamond figured out where 
you know, they, they can kind of view their brand like a superhero where they have one superpower, which is the North star. And then, uh, they have a weakness, which is the, their kryptonite. So you have, as a brand, you have to find out like, what is your superpower? Mm -hmm. What is your kryptonite? Um, what are the things that you have that are what he would consider to be your non-negotiables, mm -hmm. which kind of define like your character. So like, you know, with like, with like, um, like, uh, with Spider-Man, for example, yeah. uh, his weakness was always trying to like, you know, figure out like how to not be so awkward in, in real life. Yeah. And, uh, and kind of balance like, you know, his mom and like his, his girlfriend and like all this stuff. And like Batman's, uh, uh, Superman's weakness was like, he was like bad with women. Yeah. Like that was his quirk. Like Clark yeah. Kent. he was trying to always impress Lois Lane and stuff. So like, how do you, how do you create, and they always have like the same stories. Yes. So it's always like good versus bad, you know, and you can kind of see the same stories over and over again, kind of repeating all the time, just with different characters. And the point that he made in, with this character diamond concept was, um, if you can figure out how to create a superhero story mm -hmm. with your brand. Ooh, uh, I like that idea. Yeah. If you can, if you can do that, then you won't have to do things like what Ford Motors has, has to do to promote their cars. Like they have to pay some random actor yeah. to, to drive their car and say, Ooh, I love this new Ford. Yeah. Mm. It's the best. The reason why they have to do that is because yeah. they have no soul. Yes. Like they, they have, they have no soul. So they have to borrow somebody else's soul. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know, that's why like Batman and Superman, they don't have to do that. Cause like they have an interesting story. They have a soul they have a uh, narrative mm -hmm. where a lot of That's these true. companies, you know, they, they don't like, especially in the world that I'm in, like B2B mm -hmm. SaaS tech, like a lot of these companies are just, you know, they're, they're a mass of people just trying to sell shit and they don't really have a soul. Wow. And the point, the point is how do you not become that? How do you, how do you, if you're a B2B company, how do you market more like Nike, you know, and, and the reality, yeah, you, the reality is that they, they can't because they're not willing to do things that Nike is willing to do. Like pick a side, you know, they got behind Colin Kaepernick and they said, I'm going to support this issue that we stand by. Yeah. They, it would alienate some, but be loved and favored by, you know, this group. And they went with it and they picked it. Whereas, you know, most B2B companies today, they would never pick a side. They, they, they never would pick a side because they, they're like, Oh, my shareholders. Exactly. Oh, they're going to, you know, have, yeah. Oh my God. That's so true exactly exactly so it's long story short it's better so, to pick a side than remain neutral yep so in the character diamond there's are there three points or four points there's there's four points okay so you said superpower kryptonite non-negotiables and what's what would the fourth one be yeah so the non-negotiables is kind of the nike thing okay you know? and then the fourth one is like just accepting what your quirks are or your your you're kind of like your flaws, right? Um, mm -hmm. It's different from kryptonite. That's, <clears throat> that's like your, your weakness, but yeah, that's, that's what's going to kill you. <laughs> that's what's going to kill you. Right. But your flaws are things like, you know, like with, with uh, Superman, for example, like he's mm -hmm. nerdy. Yeah. You know, he's not, not good with women. Like yeah. He's like, and he's okay with that. And he's okay with that. Yeah. 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 So if, I don't know what it would be for like some companies that I've worked at, but like, mm -hmm. um, Maybe for maybe for Nextiva, it would be that we have a really like. I, I think for Nextiva, our quirk is that we um, we hire unusual people. Mm -hmm. We we openly accept like weird, if you want to call it weird, I guess, or sure. or uh, maybe uh, unorthodox, right? Like, yeah. a lot of companies wouldn't hire me, mm -hmm. even though I'm really good at what I do. They still yeah. wouldn't hire me because I don't fit the script. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I'm, I'm too, like I'm too much of a rebel mm -hmm. and, and, and that's part of my character diamond. Yeah. You know? Uh, the music, the, the music thing, like the whole, mm. you know, how a lot of people say like, I'm looking for a sales rock star. Mm. Uh, 
I actually do kind of bring some of that personality to like my videos, to the way I talk. Like, nice. you yeah. know, I'm the only person on LinkedIn sharing music videos. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I, that I have done. So yeah, that you've you done know, yourself. A lot, yeah. A lot of companies wouldn't like that. They would yeah. say, why are you sharing your music videos? You should mm-hmm. be sharing, you should be sharing like our, our case studies, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so nice. I like it. I like it, man. All yeah. right. So I think the last question was, um, um, if you were a board game, what would it be? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, I, I would say uh, I have to go with Monopoly, man. Man, I've been getting a lot of Monopolies like <laughs> last week and this week. This was awesome, though, because Monopoly is a very celebrated game and it teaches you a lot of different things. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I love the feeling of like, you know, pass go and collect 200 mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. i try to think or of like get out what's of jail the, free <laughs> yeah get out of jail free yeah like if life was only that good i mean i've gotten pulled out of like not literally out of jail but i've uh-huh. i feel like i've had a few get out of jail free moments in life yeah and i think uh starting the music blog was definitely one nice because it led to so many other things yeah and it's just funny looking back on it all how everything is connected man it's just I guess the the takeaway is trust the process, trust yeah. your gut, and just continue yeah. working hard, and and good things will happen. Cool, man. I I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Now, where can my audience find you? Yeah, man. Uh, go to Instagram and just search official Gaetano. Uh, you'll okay. find me there. Cool. I'll um, be sure to include those links on the podcast uh, show notes so people can get to the official Gaetano. Yeah, man. That would be awesome. And it's been awesome uh, talking to you and getting to hear some of your story as well. Thank you, man. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Have a good day. All right. Take care. Take care. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode on Hacks and Hobbies. We absolutely appreciate your contribution. You can find additional notes on hacksandhobbies.com. Please share the podcast with your friends and tell them what you learned about our guest today.